Welcome to Topics in Endurance Sports. I'm your host, Tim. Today is Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. I am at the tail end of doing a special challenge in August where I try to do an episode every day of August. Me and about 15 other nerds are doing this. And it's called the Dog Days of Podcasting. You can actually subscribe to the Dog Days of Podcasting feed and listen to everyone's episode. They're all short from one minute to 20 minutes, roughly. And there are a variety of topics. So they're very interesting. If you're just finding this right now, go back and listen to many, many hours of interesting episodes. And I have listened to everyone so far. Okay, What I am talking about is isotopes, nothing to do with endurance sports. So hopefully you'll listen anyway. All right, today uh, I decided we have to talk about atomic bombs before all of this ends, right? It's the 25th day, so let's do a little primer. Back in episode six, we introduced types of radioactive decay, and one was fission. Sometimes the heavier elements split into atoms whose masses sum to slightly less than the atomic mass of the original element. That missing mass is converted into energy via Einstein's famous equation, E equals mc squared, where m is that missing mass. A huge amount of energy, E, comes from a small mass because of the c squared part, which is the speed of a light squared, E equals mc squared. Uranium-235 is an isotope of uranium, making up about 0.72% of natural uranium. I've brought uranium up before, I'm pretty sure. Unlike the predominant isotope, uranium-238, U-235 is fissile. In other words, it can sustain a fission chain reaction. It is the only fissile isotope that is primordial, which means it's been here since the Earth began, And it's also found in significant quantities in nature. Uranium-235 has a half-life of 703.8 million years. It was discovered in 1935 by Arthur Jeffrey Dempster, who I don't think is a famous person. You would think maybe he should be. He worked at the University of Chicago and then at the nearby Argonne National Lab. By the way, he also developed the first mass spectrometer, which is one of the ways isotopes are detected, a topic I've been wanting to put in but have not yet, and I may run out of time. I'm always talking about how we can detect them, and I've never told you how we detect them, but I just don't know if I'm going to fit that in. Anyway, when U-235 undergoes fission, it decays into strontium-90 and cesium-137 and neutrons. Yes, strontium-90 again. We sure hear about that a lot. Seems like it's everywhere. Maybe it makes sense. U-235 is natural, and it decays into strontium-90. Maybe that's why we find it so much, and it's become useful. You might also recall, I even brought this up again yesterday, we've used strontium-90 to analyze teeth and bones. I also mentioned that atomic bombs have altered some of the natural amounts of some, some isotopes. This is, this is called bomb carbon. Strontium-90 is one of those. That was in maybe episode, I don't know, five or some, somewhere way at the beginning. Anyway, again, U2, U-235 decays into strontium-90, cesium-137, and neutrons. The neutrons produced from each uranium-235 decay can hit 
can hit other U-235 atoms and cause more fission to happen. Since each fission product produces multiple neutrons, a chain reaction can be set in motion. In a nuclear fission bomb, that energy is all released in an instant, whereas in a nuclear reactor, a power plant, the chain reaction is controlled using materials, for example, boron and cadmium, that are able to absorb some of the neutrons without undergoing fission themselves. These control rods can be moved in and out of the, nu in and out of the nuclear fuel to control the rate of nuclear action. Establishing a nuclear chain reaction re requires a critical mass of the isotope. The critical mass of U-235 is 52 kilograms, about 115 pounds, which is a sphere of 17 centimeters, or 7 inches, in diameter. This makes sense, since if the ball of U-235 U is too small, many of the neutrons would just fly out of the ball, and it can't sustain the chain reaction. So there has to be a particular size to the ball for a chain reaction to happen. Naturally found uranium cannot sustain a chain reaction, even if you smush a, a ball of it into uh, the right size, because natural uranium is only 0.72% U-235. So we need to enrich the U-235 to about 90% to make a good bomb. This is extremely difficult, done using gigantic centrifuges, many, many, many of them, and luckily it's extremely difficult, requires tremendous energy, and uh, you almost have to, I think you maybe have to build a power plant just to be able to do this, and it's likely to be detected by satellite imagery. So it's pretty hard for someone to sneakily uh, enrich enough uranium-235 to make a, an atomic bomb. I'm sure there are people trying to do it. Let's hope no one succeeds. Nuclear power plants use much lower levels, a few percent of uranium-235 enrichment, so it's not possible for them to sustain a chain reaction. A nuclear power plant cannot blow up like an atomic bomb. The explosion at Fukushima in Japan, that power plant, were not, was not due to the uranium-235 fuel at all, but rather by a failed cooling system, allowing the control rods, in this case a zirconium alloy, to react with the water they were in. This released highly reactive hydrogen gas, which itself ignited, kind of like the Hindenburg. As noted, this is kind of an aside there, that's, that's all about atomic bombs and power plants, but this is an interesting thing that was discovered once. Uh, as noted, uranium-235 is only about 0.72% of all uranium. Most is U-238, which although radioactive, doesn't undergo fission of the type that can produce a chain reaction. But there was a weird discovery in 1972 when workers in a processing plant in the Gabonese Republic, Republic in Africa, this is in West Africa, it used to be called Gabon, they found uranium deposits that had basically no uranium-235. How? Well, these deposits were extremely old, about 1.7 billion, billion years old. That's about 2.5 half-lives for uranium-235, and one can back-calculate to show at that time the deposit would have been about 3% uranium-235, 
about the same as a modern-day nuclear power plant. This alone wouldn't cause fission. There are other factors that enable a power plant to, to uh, produce energy. And there were, but what's weird is there were a bunch of other factors at this natural site involving sandstone and how water uh, went through it and where the uranium was and, was and all this business. But by complete chance, everything was set up right that a natural fission reactor was created at the site. Basically, a power plant was right there. This is natural. It's a freak occurrence. It was 1.7 billion years ago, though. And it can't happen again because now uranium is only 0.72%. This natural fission react reactor probably went on for hundreds of thousands of years before the uranium-235 fuel ran out. Adios.